0: So as 2022 gutters into well-deserved oblivion, we also conclude our look back on 1982 with fan reactions of the time, courtesy of Celestial Toy Room. So as you wind down the year with a few highly alcoholic beverages, settle in and allow 42 to Doomsday to take you back to the era of Maggie T and victory over the Argentinians.
1: as Rob alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, we're having a look back at the letters of 1982, we held these back towards the end of the year, so we can um, have a bit of a laugh, but a bit of merriment, but a little bit more lighthearted. So we thought we'd say this to the, uh, our New Year's special. Crack on, eh, Rob? Yes. Which is uh, from uh, Sheila Mullins, who is the program correspondent section at the BBC. Mm. Uh, as far as I'm aware, the news you've heard is just a rumour, possibly based on a misunderstanding Doctor Who... Has been transferred to its present placing because of the diminishing audiences it was getting on Saturdays, when it was regularly being swamped by ITV, and because of Mr. Hart's wish to give this excellent series a new lease of life. So far, the reaction has been extremely appreciative. So there was that rumour kicking around that uh, Doctor Who was potentially going to be axed, but this is basically uh, the BBC putting that to bed and saying, look, we're moving it to uh, the weekday and we're very happy with uh, the ratings that are currently going on and especially with the new
0: lease of life that a certain uh, Peter Davison has brought to the role. It's interesting that Sheila, has, uh, our good friend Sheila, has basically belled the the cat and said that the audiences were falling away on a Saturday. So there's none of the spin that you would expect today. No one, no, no, oh. no hint or scent of uh, any um, uh, negativity today. It'd be, you know, yeah. it'd be, it would come out from a, a Sony or a, a Black Wolf or a, a Disney uh, publicity machine that was. Uh, you know, lightning quick and and uh, very very well oiled, and uh, there'd be no hint of negativity at all. It'd be just positive, positive, positive. We're relocating it to Friday nights after midnight because that's where our demographic is. That's the sort of thing that they would say. Bill
1: um, is, uh, you know, she's pretty straightforward. It's a bit of the anti-Henry Cavill
0: announcement. Hey, I'm back as Superman. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> what a <laughs> What a nightmare. So oh. he he was back as Superman, and then yeah. he wasn't back as Superman. And before yeah. that, he'd given The Witch of the Flick for Superman, I think. And now yeah. he is going to be headlining um, a, a series adaptation of the um, Warhammer 40K um, tabletop miniature game, which is interesting. I think he's a well-known geek, Mr. Cavill. So.
1: And he's also in the running for James Bond, so he's probably praying to all deities that he believes in to try and secure another sort of top-lining role as it were it's,
0: it's interesting that certain actors are, are quite willing to just go genre we're not going to mm. go for straight drama we am just, just going to play the genre card for the rest of my yep. career while I've got the chisel good looks mm. and fair play because there's a whole lot of money involved in that but um, I don't know there's a lot of actors would uh, turn their nose up at that sort of thing but um, yeah there's a lot of money floating around in that sort of field Show me the money, Rob. Show me the money. Show me the money. And after the Christmas uh, expenditure that I'm anticipating spending, uh, yeah, show me the money. Back to the docs for you, sir. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) the next letter is from a certain David J. Howe. Hello, David, a previous guest on the podcast. Uh, And he's uh, writing from the Dwas Reference Department in Surbiton. Now, he says, the look at the Tom Baker years was good as it highlighted something that many people overlook. That is... The reason why the doctor degenerated into a fool towards the end of his 16th and 17th seasons interestingly enough i was looking through the rehearsal scripts from nightmare of eden and horns of nymon recently and i was surprised to see that the script for nightmare is laden with all the jokes and innuendo that were in the finished product whereas horns contained hardly any and that was a much better story for it it makes you wonder just who no pun intended was responsible for adding all the humour if it wasn't in the original script. He is, as they say in Australia, uh, Mark, pointing the bone at a certain uh, now very much aged doctor. And also a very much dead script editor Ooh. as well, yeah.
1: Ooh. Unfortunately, yeah. The Horns and Iman underneath is actually a very good story. But look, I can watch Horns and on now and have a lot of fun with it. Do you I need still, alcohol? Well, not as much alcohol as what I had to drink getting through Flux and the Jodie Whittaker special. So, how's your liver, mate? It's more yellow than J and T's.
0: So you know. Have they renamed you Jaundice at work? Jaundice <laughs> <Jordan's> Nathan Turner. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like that, Mark. Very good, very good. Fake magic. Take me, Gary, take me. It's interesting that certain fans or fans generally continue to hold a torch about how bad the 16th and 17th seasons were mm. where um, even a, you know a few years later and a new regime, they constantly go back and you know prod the dead body of it and give it a good old kicking. Interesting, interesting. Yes. yes.
1: Now here's a bit of an editorial here from the. This is actually from the Scaro magazine. Uh, this is volume two, number five. Mm. Uh, by and this is written by Simon uh, Lydiard, I think, from Bath. Of course, the uh, a wonderful, uh, lovely town in uh, in in England. But of mm. course, more importantly, it has the Roman Bath there. But even more importantly,
0: is the home place of uh, Tears Fears. Yes. Can I just ask a question, Mark? Sure. Simon Lydiard is an actual person. There wasn't an anagram. There was something something in the back of my mind is reminding me about something that was in DWB in that era. Simon Lydiard, as we, far as we know, is real and not an anagram for someone else. Yeah, I don't think it's Tony L. To an a, no. Uh, like no that, moving know? on. Moving no, on. No,
1: exactly. In his editorial, just as it was a regular habit a couple of years back for fans and editors to use the editorial columns to pour scorn on the efforts of Graham Williams and his fellow conspirators. Well, Mm. I'm getting into the habit of using this column to praise the efforts of the current producer, the exalted John Nathan-Turner, and particularly the unique acting talents of Peter Davison, who is well on his way to becoming my favourite Doctor. What a healthy situation. During the 18th season, I was enjoying Doctor Who more than I ever had before, and I would not have thought it possible to enjoy the series to a greater degree. Well... Directly due to Peter Davison's superb Trail, my appreciation of Doctor Who is still growing at an enormous rate.
0: Thanks, Pete. Even Here your you dog go. agrees, Mark.
1: Yes, my dog agrees with everything at the moment. The muzzle's coming tomorrow, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, you can actually debark your dog by cutting its vocal cords, apparently. Everybody check this out. It's
1: illegal in Victoria. <laughs> but apparently it's still uh, still legal in New Zealand. So we're taking a trip in the new year to New Zealand. The ditch,
0: mate. Choice, choice, bro. <laughs> Can yeah, I ask I have, a question? What is it about uh, Peter Davison's acting talents that are quote unquote unique? this just a contrast, you know what I mean?
1: Where a new actor has brought a new lease of life to the role and just bringing a different perspective, a different style. Where Tom Baker, I mean, as much as he was great in, in season eighteen, uh, you yeah, know, season sixteen and seventeen were inconsistent with his portrayals. You know what I mean? So okay. it's just a breath of fresh air, really. I, I think I was I just think,
0: wondering whether Mister, possibly an anagram, was. Uh, indicating that perhaps Davo was just as good as, uh, say, Robert De Niro or Al Pacino of that particular era. But uh, who knows? Who
1: knows? Well, he was in a lot of stuff, wasn't he, Mr Davison? So, you know, he, he could have been the uh, the Robert De Niro of the of the
0: BBC. Is it possible right? that, along with his son-in-law and Patrick Troughton, mm. Davison is possibly the most prolific television uh, actor amongst all the people who have played a Doctor Who? Yes, I'd say, him and
1: uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe Paul McGann as well. I'm yeah, not, maybe yeah. Paul McGann. But, I mean, certainly in terms of that uh, visibility, definitely, you know, it was a bit dry in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, but he mm. bounced back and uh, – you know he's all over the place at the moment so um and yeah,
0: antenna will will turn up at anything effectively as long as there's a camera there to record his movements and and speech. He's in a a, a four-part series about uh, that uh, Russian uh, uh, dissident uh, Mr. Livchenko, who copped a an overdose of polonium in his tea uh, just for the first episode, of course because it ends badly. What's That's uh, uh, Livchenko, I believe it is. okay. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that a big Finnish character, Liv yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh
1: I just watched him in Inside Man with uh, Stanley Stanley Tucci, and I thought he was excellent in that as well. So it was very. Oh, so good. you've watched
0: that? Did you, you enjoy yes, that?
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it. Miss, written by Mr Moffat. Yeah, it was very good. Really good very stuff.
0: Good. Very good. Stanley Tucci is always a delight to watch. That bald head, I'm seeing my future in uh... Yes. The, the Easter mm. egg of... <laughs> <laughs> now, we move on to TARDIS uh, Volume 7, Issue 1 for March slash April 1982, and an Andy Eaton from Winsford, writes, In fairness to Jaundice Nathan-Turner, it's time to come clean and admit that I was foolish enough to doubt his judgment. When it was announced that Peter Davison was to be our new Time Lord, I was horrified. Quote, He's too young, too well known, too human if you like. Unquote. Boy, was I ever wrong. Castro Valva impressed me from the beginning. The overall production style was extremely impressive. The TARDIS interior looks much better without the bricks. The new costume suits Mr Davison. I wonder how long it will be before some enterprising society member starts turning out a neat line in plastic celery. I, for one, would buy it. Would you, Andy? Would you, really? The continuity was very refreshing, except for the apparent regeneration of Tom Baker's boots into brogues. I like the burst of previous incarnations and the unravelling of the scarf. Congratulations to all the production team for a first-rate show. Well, wait 40 years, uh, Andy, and you'll see an entire costume regenerate before your very eyes. The
1: fan bank has only just begun, sir, so
0: strap yourself in, buddy. <laughs> you'll love it. It's interesting to see that a lot of people were either, well re-energised, I think, I think, by the new approach that um, uh, J&T and Davison brought to the series. Whether that would actually last uh, is a matter for future uh, interpretation. Yeah, it, it is interesting that people – I'm mean, look, for seven years – Having stayed for seven years, I think Tom Baker stayed probably two or three years too long. Yeah. Uh, we've discussed this before in previous episodes. So, But then I don't like the new series thing where it's, granted, it's spread over five years for some reason, but they last about three seasons. I'd, I'd, I'd like maybe four or five actual seasons. Mm. Capaldi could have done with another couple of series, I think. So, yeah. Uh, go uh, probably yeah. three or so mm. less, maybe. Controversial, Mark? Yeah. Maybe he just falls out the titus and just splats no. <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> How uncharitable are we? But anyway, yes. that's that's the yes. way the, the cookie crumbles, as they say in
1: America. Yes, the regeneration we're talking about, uh, you know, 40 odd years ago, is uh, I think being repeated at the moment with uh, Russell T and Mr Tennant back on yes. back in the saddle. So. Uh, there is definitely a bit of a frisson about what's Ooh. going on at the moment. and there, of, is, there uh, is. I think
0: we've had more publicity in a week than we have in the last five years. So that's uh, interesting, isn't it? It's,
1: it's amazing what happens when uh, <laughs> Elon Musk decides to uh, – what a great poll to have on Twitter. Should I continue my job, yes or no? Wish it was easy for prime ministers to do that. Should I continue? <laughs> Australia will be back in, uh, back in double digits in less than three weeks.
0: Yes. Or All the right, UK,
1: mate. I should say, actually. Mm. Or the UK. Well, yes. Well, yeah, mm, it's political.
0: Mm, mm, yeah. mm. Let's not go political, mate. We'll I lose half it. our audience.
1: Again. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's the next uh, letter writer, Mark? Uh, the next one is from my
1: Thomas Noonan from Manchester, mate. Uh, hello, Thomas, if you're listening. Uh, if he's still alive, to be uh, frank. If he's still alive, hopefully. Nearly yeah. forty hopefully years. <laughs> Probably still at the hacienda, uh, waiting for the uh, Acid House revival to come back. Early as it is, some people have begun to praise the Fifth Doctor. So I feel I must state my opinion. I think that if Peter Davison continues as he has done. The fifth Doctor will be the least distinctive and the least appropriate ever. Mm. Surely the main point is that he is basically a Tristan Farnham character. He appears to be imitating and subdued gentleness and thoughtfulness as if it was almost necessitated by his involvement with the, quote, children. But he has nothing on Trouton's hobo eccentricity, or his willingness to show real vulnerability, getting cross, panicking, etc. He is far too much of a patrician ideal for that, as his cricket gear suggests. On the other hand, he is not old enough to have Pertwee's air of mellow wisdom, and he is certainly not uh, trying for Pertwee's flamboyance. And there is nothing of the spikiness of the Hartnell or Baker doctors nothing of their alien quality he's merely a handsome charming and fairly ideal young gentleman with a touch of innocence which adds to his appeal like those high-minded young men who uh, issued from late victorian public schools if this continues the role of the doctor will be virtually unimportant indeed it seems to have been minimized in the three stories i've seen now in castrovalva where there was some lunacy but when he came to himself the conf- confrontation with the Must was pure boys paper stereotype In Fall to Doomsday, he was eclipsed by Tegan and Adric to say nothing of Monarch, and the opportunity for an interesting response by the Doctor to their betrayals was not noticeably taken. In Kinder Episodes 1 and 2, he might almost not have well been present. Uh, Doctor Who, in quotes there, cannot survive on the quality, sometimes excellent, of the individual stories, and though the companions are important, their relationship with the Doctor is the most important facet. If Davison continues to be what he has been up to now, I'm not sure the program can do the same. And, of course, the BBC's decision to downgrade the program to weekday evening light entertainment slot from its status of a leader on Saturday night viewing suggests that they really don't care
0: that it should. This is an early example of fandom being unable to accept change. The the change of portrayal, the change of the look of the character, the change of where the the, the show uh, sits in the TV schedule. We've seen this in the last five or six years haven't we, with a a new actor who goes against type uh, and a new approach to how the stories are, you know, the the new writing approach that Chibnall took, which was effectively continuity light initially, and none of the sort of intricacy and arc-heavy storytelling that, say, Moffat, you know, would do or RTD would do to a lesser extent. I mean, I I can see some of the points that Thomas is is, is making. Um, It's interesting, his earlier comments about how the Fifth Doctor embodies some of Troughton's uh, characterisation but uh, look, it's an interesting take, I suppose.
1: And look, those stories—they're recorded out of order. So
0: by the time he gets
1: to say visitation and earth shock, you know he's really on on a roll there. So yeah. hopefully Thomas's uh, impression might have changed as the as Davison continued in the role. Every opinion's valid, Rob. So is it? You know, I, really? <laughs> opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. So you know, wow, Sometimes wow. you agree and sometimes you disagree. That's what makes it more
0: interesting, isn't that right, young Rob? All right, Mark. We move on to. Steve. Glazebrook from Atherton and uh, he begins, so a new volume of TARDIS is underway and the first issue bodes well for a future as a highly enjoyable and polished blend of photos, artwork, text and layout with the highlight undoubtedly being the cleverly titled TARDIS Information System. Lovely graphics too. The expected retorts to Mr Noonan's mini article were very enjoyable to read. Personally I found his original comments very thoughtful though in some quarters a little uninformed. However he should not be personally attacked for his honest views, and therefore neither am I for dislocking his highbrow review of Four to Doomsday. Piquantly precarious. Indeed, long words, Thomas, do not a good review make. In reviewing, or indeed in simply viewing the program, these days one should take into account the current state of TV. Doctor Who has often been taken to task for its horror content, but nowadays the odd cliche of hiding behind the settee to peep at the show is surely as dead as a Dalek. I remember the furore created by Tomb of the Cybermen and its infamous scene of a mortally wounded Cyberman, foam gushing from its chest unit. This horrific scene pales considerably when compared with its grandchild, Earthshock, and the added destruction of Snyder, an attractive lady reduced to a bubbling mess of flesh and clothing, stepped in by colleagues. Mm. One wonders if Mrs. Whitehouse still tunes in. What a lovely surprise I received in episode two of Time Flight when Leon Nye Tay turned out to be Tony Anley once more. Yes, I fell for it again. I never could do anagrams, and though I know about the leaking of secrets, it is no fault at all of the society itself. Contact with inquisitive members is usually enough to ruin any future surprises except for time flight, which, thankfully, I knew nothing about and gleaned the reward for it. I've never heard the words time flight and reward used in the same sentence, Mark having a lie down right at the moment. <laughs> Isn't that lovely that somebody thought, oh, this is actually very
1: surprising and delightful. But are we sure that wasn't Simon Lillard, as it were? Lillard? It could have been Mr. <laughs> Anagate himself, you know. But it's obviously the Noonan's comments and, and, and thoughts on the Davidson area sort of slightly taking a bit, of, uh, getting a bit of a response there. Yeah, but the, I love those, indeed, long words, Thomas, do not make a good uh, good review, Make. I wish uh, Pip and Jane Baker read that later on when they used, you know, things like, uh, what was it? Spurious morality and all sort of crap. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and, uh,
0: it's um, yeah. it's interesting that he, he points out that uh, the current state of television and um, Doctor Who being taken to task for its horror content. I was listening to something or reading something a while ago that sort of said as as the as TV transitioned out of the seventies, a lot of that spooky or horrific uh, stuff began to fall fall aside, and there was less horrific content uh, on television i mean stuff like children of the stones or the uh, the, the christmas uh, you know the mr james christmas specials uh stuff like that sort of vanished by the time the 1980s more or less rolled around
1: mm. and we we're
0: more into uh, look you know less horror on television uh which is interesting and, and sort of doctor who apart from certain horrific elements like you know the people's faces melting and resurrection uh, earth shockers uh as uh, Stu was mentioned uh, there just seems to be less of the horror in Doctor Who than you would have got say in the mid to late seventies.
1: Yeah, because they turn the lights up,
0: <laughs> didn't they? In the eighties, <laughs> everything's lit like a like a blue light disco. You can do horror. Yes. In in a more normal setting, uh, if you watch say a movie like It Follows, mm. where it's basically a lot of some of it's set at night, but a lot of it's set during the day, and you've got this you know nebulous creature just following um, its victims. Uh, you, you can do that, but uh, yeah, as you say, that the show. Went down a different route during the 1980s.
1: Very interesting thoughts there from uh, young Stu there. Anybody who has positive thoughts about Time Flight, good on you, Stu. Bless you. <laughs> the next one's from John Robertson Bracknell. Hello, John. Uh, he says The 19th season has been exceptionally good with stories of a usually wide variety, including the welcome return of both historical and pseudo historical serials. One constant feature has been the higher than usual quality of science fiction ideas, which have sadly been written off by many as too much jargon. Two really great ideas were the Zero Room in Castrovalva and the computer simulated perfect surfaces for antimatter containment and nurse shock. At Panopticon 4, Jonathan Turnus said that if the new time slot did not work, they would always change it back. I would consider it to be the only notable failure of the 19th season. Saturday afternoons were good enough for 18 years. Why have things suddenly changed so drastically? Now is the time to send the BBC more letters on the subject because if we don't, try to clamp down on it straight away. Who knows when they'll when they'll start screening it? Have you ever thought what would it be like watching Doctor Who over your cornflakes? Still a little bit of pushback over the the, the time slot move. Read with great amusement, John Johnathan Turner said that if the new time slot did not work, she always change it back. John, mate, as much as you thought it was your job, you weren't BBC controller with producer or Doctor Who. Again, it's the usual
0: panic about you know. Mm -hmm. About change. I mean, you can always see why people, um, you know, grow concerned or discomforted by a change as radical as moving it to a different time slot. But, you know, as our friend Sheila uh, earlier in the podcast said, the the ratings uh, in that particular time slot had fallen. We saw, you know, they went from, you know, eight or nine million down to five and a half for Tom's last uh, series or season. Um, Maybe Saturday was no good. I mean, you could argue that perhaps the approach taken uh, in season uh, 18 may have alienated people, but um, they did lose a substantial amount. And as the ratings showed for Devo's uh, first series, or season at least, uh, the ratings were higher uh, in exactly the new time right. You would like the show to be on the schedule for longer, you know, if it's mm. sort of six months instead of three. Um, we can see the sort of affect nowadays where you know certain streaming services drop an entire series in one hit and everyone mm-hmm. talks about it for 3 or 4 days and then they forget about mm-hmm. it whereas say something like Andor which is dropped once a week just builds and builds and builds over a couple of months and you you just get that positive your positive feedback loop i suppose better to linger the, longer than uh, not at all in my opinion but uh, anyway what can i say
1: a bit like the, what happened with the uh, megan and harry netflix series mate did you do, what, enjoy
0: watching that it always keeps on popping up every time i access netflix i'm not quite sure why but i <laughs> like most sane australians uh, i have no interest in uh, any of it to be frank any of it at all
1: the megan Markle and, and harry uh, prince harry are the new dwb of the royal family <laughs>
0: Oh, how how heretical of you, Mark. You Republican, you dirty Welsh Republican.
1: (laughs) And speaking of Republicans, here's one from Douglas Smith. In York? Uh,
0: Yes. Didn't they dig up Richard III from a car park in York? Was that right? They did, actually, yes. Find pubs in uh, York as well. (laughs) Is York in Yorkshire? I think so. Okay, all right. I know that's pretty obvious. I I
1: think it's in a Cornwall accent. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I You've been down down the tin
0: mines, Mark, have you? (laughs)
1: Yeah. There's no two clutter box Don't do it grubbage.
0: Yeah. All right, something like okay. that. yeah. I, I think you're speaking English then, but I don't really know. I'll just break eye contact and move on to his letter. <laughs> Peter Davison has done extremely well, which is no mean feat taking over from my favourite doctor, Tom Baker. I don't deny that some of the stories during the middle period of Baker's portrayal left a lot to be desired. The Invisible Enemy, The Sunmakers, and, of course, Nightmare of Eden springing to mind. However, the first three seasons under Philip Hinchcliffe and the last under John Nathan Turner must surely rank among the best ever produced. But to Peter Davison's interpretation of the role, where is this vulnerability we were promised? In The Visitation, he actually says, I'm never wrong, which appears to be a strange way of being unsure of yourself. It has been good to see him getting annoyed with his companions, Adric for flying the TARDIS, Tegan for making snide remarks. It will be very interesting to see how the character shapes up in the future. Wait till shock, mate. Wait till Earthshock. <laughs> I've been watching some Davo episodes recently, Mark. Oh, and have yes, and I've come away... Not liking uh, Janet Fielding's portrayal of Tegan. Oh. I want to strangle Tegan. <laughs> she's, oh just, she's just annoying. She's a whiner. I'm not whining as well, of course, but she's a complainer. We we used to say to Victoria, you know, when they found those two, uh, they found uh, Web of Fear and Enemy of the World? Oh, and yes. And there was a sudden realisation that Victoria was just a complete wet blanket and he would just complain and complain and complain and complain. Yeah. Tegan's like that. She's not happy about anything. She's, she's, she's not satisfied at all. She just complains and whines and whinges, and it just gives me the irrits. Uh, I don't like her. It's been like all. having teenage daughters, isn't it, really? So can I ask a question then?
1: Yes, mate. When you watched the uh the the last episode that's over the powder of the Doctor,
0: mm-hmm. did you enjoy her portrayal? Um, It was still edgy, edgy, spiky. Edgy? Yeah. Edgy, not, not not edgy, spiky, but Why- I think... Like oh. me, she's me- mellowed with age, perhaps. Mm. Um, it was all right. It was all right. Mm. Yes, that's all I can say. It was all right. Okay. What stories did you watch of the of the Davison era? So I watched um, the three two-parters from the Davison era, so Black Orchid, The Awakening, and The King's Demons. She's better, Tegan, is better in Black Orchid because she's basically doing what she wants to do, which is just dancing <laughs> uh, and <laughs> In The Awakening, she's probably a little bit, you know, she's she sort of comes back a bit, but she's quite strong, you know, when she's sort of held in that room and forced to change into those clothes. She's she's quite waspish and all that. In King's Demons, God, I, everything is wrong with the King's Demons, unfortunately, and Tegan uh. especially. She's... I mean, I, you know, I think some of the fact that they were filming it looked like in the depths of, the, of winter on location mm. <laughs> perhaps added to Fielding's sort of uh, distress. I'm not a big fan of the character, and uh, it's it's just sort of been reinforced by watching a few of her stories recently.
1: It's interesting you watched those two parties. That was like a quick fix of Doctor Who, was it?
0: Yes, yeah. so circumstances require that I sit in the car uh, for extended periods one day a week. And mm. um, so laptop, DVDs, and off I go. So, yes.
1: Ah, okay. Well, lucky you didn't watch Underworld then because you would have put the hose in the car and put 10 ignition on.
0: <laughs> well, actually, I did I did throw it into the DVD player about Ooh. eight or nine months ago and put myself through uh, episode one for the first time in probably close to 40 years, yeah. and I still haven't progressed from episode
1: one. You're not going on a second date with that then? <laughs> I've had that happen to me. It's very sad. Me too, Just take solace in the fact that they're probably not happy or... Exactly. ...they're not married to somebody who's doing a a, a top-rating podcast. Exactly
0: right. So, Mark, Jay Walker from County Durham
1: says, My warmest congratulations to Richard Walter, Ian McLaughlin, and yourself, David, in firmly establishing TARDIS as the undisputed number one Who's in? Professional presentation and thoughtful contents make for enjoyable reading every time. And I have wasted no time in ordering further issues. In Mr. Eric Sayward, we have a writer truly belonging to the old school who employs tried and tested techniques of dramatic know-how in his writing. His skill in building up the introduction of a chilling enemy was, was beautifully shown in both The Visitation and Earthshock, deflected by the robot guards in the former and the robots of death like Android in the latter. I like his clever technique of Mr. Sayward in allowing the viewer to know whom the old enemy that he is facing before the doctor finds out. His gradual realization, I've seen wounds like this inflicted before, urged on by the viewer's foreknowledge, is a particularly effective technique. The viewer can really enjoy the doctor's reaction as he peers into the monitor to find Cybermen on the march. Another long lost aspect reborn was the doctor trap situation. In Earthshock, the doctor is trapped on the bridge of a freighter on the defense and having to react quickly against the threat of advancing Submen. now biting stuff indeed. Now, first of all, Ian McLaughlin uh, sadly passed away, uh, one of the, uh, the the upper echelons of uh, UK fandom a few months ago, which is very sad. It's not very often you hear praise about Eric Sayward, do you really?
0: Uh, certainly not now. At some point in the future where there'll be a re-evaluation perhaps of of Eric Sayward, his approach his time on the show, a better understanding perhaps or a revisiting of the circumstances under which he was working. Um, I don't think, you know, after a certain period of time he was particularly happy with, you know, how the production was being handled. I mean, certainly, you know, by the time Colin Baker was was hired, he was... He was pissed. He was despairing, I think, about how, mm-hmm. the, the approach that J&T had taken with casting uh, Colin Baker, uh, even though uh, Revelation is uh, one of my favourite 80s stories. But then I suppose it doesn't really feature the Doctor at all, so that that, that bears... Uh, bear saying um look earthshock is a very very good story i remember when the dvd was announced and the excitement among fandom um because it is it is i think it's one of those stories that a lot of fans of a certain vintage definitely remember watching and as uh, uh, mr or ms walker says the way the story is built up um you know especially if it's the first through the first episode uh, is testament to to, to Sayward's ability to to build drama and tension and and atmosphere now there are certain instances where he fails, but I think where Sayward works, particularly in the sort of the area that he's... the narrow niche of action-adventure that he's um he's, he's mining, uh, I think he works really, really well. It's just a pity that he left under the circumstances that, that he did because it sort of certainly clouds, I think, his recollection of his time on the show and fans' recollection of his time on the show. Is Earthshock his greatest triumph? Well i would argue that revelation possibly pips it because i think the themes the tone the atmosphere the look more match my sensibilities but there's no denying that of the probably five or six classic stories from that era earthshock is is the more highly regarded because i think it tickles that interest of fans that that action the cybermen are actually you know quite menacing Uh, Their plan is quite uh, compelling. Um, you, you have the time travel aspect uh, in terms of the, sense of the What happens at the end, and certainly his the fact that he wrote out a character in such a way that hadn't been done for a, nigh on ten years. I, I think Earthshock does stand out as probably his best uh, story in terms of what uh, what fans consider uh, as being his best. What do you think, Mark?
1: It's the more populist of his stories, isn't it? Really, they chose it for that 50th anniversary retrospective, didn't they? In terms of the the, the Davison selection, as opposed to going to the old caves, but certainly. It's it's the most accessible. You can put onto a, a not where as it were, and you could watch it, and uh, they definitely would get involved in it, where, you know, Revelation is, is it's a great story, but, again, it's a Doctor Light story, and it's hard to sort of get into. You know what I mean? The first 20 minutes are quite heavy-going, as it were. Resurrection is a bit of a mess. Uh, visitation's really good as well, but in terms of uh, top-shelf drama and
0: action, uh, I don't think you can go far wrong from Urshot, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. No, I agree. Uh, the next uh, letter, Mark, is uh, from John Lum in Bracknell. Uh, he begins, The 19th season is now behind us. It has left me with mixed feelings. I enjoyed it, but it did not thrill me in the same way that scenes from the 18th season did. In the shadow of such great stories as The Keeper of Traken and Warrior's Gate, scripts like Ford Doomsday and Castravalva seemed a little tame. Adric's death was a brave step but it added a dimension of reality to the series. If the Doctor wins hands down it becomes boring. This time there was a fatal loss and it revealed a facet of the Doctor's character that we seldom see. I just hope that Tegan isn't going to disappear for good too. She is an essential part of the team and it seems such a pity for her to leave. I
1: was just going to say, those words are much to your chagrin, aren't they, Rob? <laughs> she does resonate with a lot of people. I don't mind her. Certainly one of the better companions of the 80s.
0: Don't forget she engaged in a hot and torrid lesbian relationship with Nyssa. Yeah, Yes,
1: even though she was married and powered her the Doctor. I, I'd get confused. What's going on? Is this like a multiverse thing now, is it really? In the multiverse, Mark, we're all simultaneously
0: straight. And or gay.
1: Excellent. This is from Paul Dixon from Liverpool, mate. Uh, so uh,
0: hello to is, you, Paul. Is he the fabled sixth Beatle?
1: No, but he could be the fabled uh, sixth Phil Morris. Could be a, a anagram for his name. Upon reflection, the first episode of Castrovalva was a goldmine of good ideas, but the whole thing was presented in a very boring and slow way. However, all my misgivings were forgiven by the brilliant par four, the pace and incredible recursive video effects for which made for genuinely marvellous piece of television. Kinder was not very good. No. <laughs> Never showed how evil the Mara were. The only evidence that we were given was the superb sequence entire inside Tegan's mind, plus the idiotic look Aris standing within a hastily constructive wooden cage, ordering his tribe to attack Adric. Of all the stories... Time flight was the most confusing in terms of plot. A closer examination of the plot reveals that the the elements of Concord, the 20th century and even the master's disguise
0: were totally unnecessary. I think that so many four-part stories in the season is a waste of a writer's good ideas. Many of the stories had complex concepts which would have made good six-parters. This is true of the aforementioned Castrovalva and what about that awful Ford of Doomsday? I totally agree with Thomas Noonan's review in The Red TARDIS, except that I enjoyed the colourful episode too immensely. A well-balanced adventure, but imagine what might have happened if Nyssa had become robotised or the ship had reached Earth, etc. The new Doctor is on the whole rather uninteresting. A bit too perfect. Only in The Visitation and Earthshock was he lively when he showed extreme concentration, had arguments and made wry jokes. One thing I would like to know is what are your, and the readers for that matter, favourite stories of all time? My overwhelming favourite is that brilliant story, The Carnival of Monsters, with superb humour, marvellous characters and music, and above all, Excitement. And excitement is spelled as
1: E-X-T-I-E-M-E-N-T. Which is close to experiment,
0: which is what I thought every time the ABC repeated the Carnival of Monsters. I used to find it very dull for some reason. I'd have to go back and watch it now and see whether my youthful self was completely right. Oh, yes. Utterly wrong.
1: Yeah, I used to find it boring as batshit, but now I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's really good. So do yourself a favour, Rob, over the holidays? crack it open? Give it a look. What do you think of Paul's comments? Look, he's not wrong about time flight, is he Really? No uh, one's
0: wrong about like Mark.
1: In terms of excitement and, I suppose, in terms of capturing, uh, I suppose, having the Doctor a bit more proactive, as it were, uh, Visitation and, and Airshock is right uh, in a sense where, you know, made the right jokes where early on T was very anti-joke. So it was the characterisation wasn't there yet. Kinder was not very good. It was we were never shown how evil the Mara were. I don't agree with that. I think you don't need – we saw the grab big rubber snake at the end, but really that doesn't sort of signify how uh, evil they are. I think the the mindscape and what was happening with Tegan, I actually found genuinely creepy. You'd rather have an enemy within, as it were, as as opposed to a rubber snake flailing around and and trying (laughs) to be evil. So uh, I prefer it uh, small, as it were, in terms of that uh, showing how evil they were.
0: What about you, Robbie? Two or three years around this period shows an interesting turn in the sort of stories that the production team were putting up for the audience. I think prior to uh, Bidmed coming along the show had settled into a sort of action adventure type of story that they would you know show, show to the audience I mean very much during the sort of the mid to late pertwe era and the, uh, the the Tom Baker uh, era. but you, then you sort of were getting stories like Warriors Gates or Kinder or Enlightenment. they had really interesting sort of cerebral uh, ideas that were sort of you know animating them in the background. I mean, Warrior's Gate, you know, you're sort of, you know, in a, in a, a different universe, and Kinder, which is more an interior um, story, and then, of course, uh, Enlightenment with the whole, you know, the whole concept of, uh, you know, ship in space and, and the Eternals and all that sort of thing. So, from that regard, this era is is particularly interesting. I mean, it would sort of fade away. I find it a welcome approach to the more gung-ho action sort of adventure stories that we, you know, seem to be getting quite a lot during the mid to late 70s. As for the stories here, I mean, I, don't, I quite like Castrovalva. Uh, not a big fan of Fort of Doomsday, uh, even though it's the inspiration for this uh, podcast title. Kinder, I love Time Flight. I would watch Time Flight just simply for the experience again. And the visitation, like I said I think you said earlier, it is it is it's a solid. Uh, I think it's a solid first up effort from Sayward. It is Time Flight, like Haunted Nightmare, where you could
1: basically just. Have a laugh at it. Oh, you know, yeah. Get, I get mean, a couple you of go, beers. Yeah,
0: You've got to go in there with the right, right mindset. It's a pity it comes straight after Earthshock. It's like Twin Dilemma coming uh, in after yeah. the case of Androzani. I mean, there's no budget. Uh, the approach taken today, after such heavy episodes, you wouldn't do anything like uh, Time Flood or the Twin Dilemma, would you? You would ha- you would have the characters facing the repercussions of what happened before and trying to come to terms with it. I mean, they tried that in Time Flight at the very start, you know, of episode one, and that, that was gone in an instant. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the twin dilemma, uh, I don't know, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it, really? I mean, Time Flight is essentially a lost cause. You would only watch it for the appalling nature of a lot of it uh, and get a laugh out of it, unfortunately. And I, I sometimes wonder whether, uh, if you look very carefully, you can see Peter Davison going, I'm getting out of here as quickly as I can.
1: Yes, the the resignation's been drafted on the back of a plasma toy, isn't it really? <laughs> so that concludes our look at the letters uh, uh, and fan opinion of 1982. Now, Rob, we will be back next year. It's our 10th year, Rob. Can you believe it? Mother of God. Exactly. And we will we'll be revisiting uh 1983 mm. uh as part of our drag from the archives and hopefully with a special guest uh to join us for that so uh
0: How special mark
1: very special so as uh, the great jaundice man used to say stay tuned we have got uh, a smorgasbord as it were rob of uh, new uh topics to cover next year for our 10th anniversary so uh looking forward to it greatly actually me too me too
0: i've um 2022 can get in the bin personally but um yeah mm. so i'm looking very much forward to 2023 not the extra year on top of my life but uh, uh <laughs> turn turn the page and start again and see how we go while there's life there's hope rob
1: <laughs> until there isn't mark so I'd like to wish all our listeners a very happy and prosperous 2023. And as Rob said, this year you can go and get stuffed. As Doreem used to say, it can only get better. So I've been Mark. I've been Rob. And we'll speak to you next year. Happy Year.
0: listen to another episode of 42 to Doomsday the podcast that loves talking about Doctor Who we'd love to hear from our listeners please drop us a line at 42 Doomsday at gmail.com we can be reached at facebook.com forward slash 42 doomsday. if brevity is your game we can be found on twitter at 42 Doomsday. please check out our blog 42 doomsdaywordpresscom where Mark and I occasionally have something interesting to say aside from iTunes you can listen to us via Stitcher and Player FM if you enjoyed listening to us leave a review on iTunes as always thank you for listening have a great week we'll speak with you again again soon.